0: 7 Jesus said, "When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also will testify, for you have been with me from the beginning." Let's pray. Father, we are humbled by the reality that, as we think in terms of the sacredness of each and every word in Scripture, we pray that that sacredness would touch our minds and hearts. We pray that these truths would begin to uh, accomplish their purpose and uh, uh, Your will in our lives. We pray, O oh God, as we attempt to grab these words that Jesus spoke and the the voice that He speaks. uh, We pray, Lord, that you would be honored and that indeed we would be uh, transformed. We commit ourselves to your truth and we commit ourselves to your spirit who brings truth into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We believe in one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle John clearly presents this truth. And the word in the beginning of the Gospel of John became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We understand that Jesus clearly is the expression, as Ken pointed out in Hebrews, he is the radiance of God's glory. When we see the person of Christ, we clearly understand that is what God looks like if you give him a human body. And that's difficult for us to grasp. It's difficult for us to try to communicate. It's difficult for our minds to get around that this person in flesh is truly God walking upon the earth. And yet the beauty of this scripture clearly is that this word has become flesh. He's made his dwelling among us. The Apostle John also reveals that this is the same word who was in the beginning... And this word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The important thing that we attempted to look at last week is Jesus comes to represent the Father. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said, everything that Jesus taught was about the Father. It was to bring glory and honor to the Father. And that is why many times we get distorted teachings because we get the idea, well, if he's God, why doesn't he just tell us? And we're going to look at some scriptures that help validate that. But it's important to know that though there is one God in three persons, Jesus has submitted himself to a will higher than his own. His whole purpose and intent was to glorify his heavenly father, And last week we talked about, therefore, you and I need to understand the beauty of making Jesus look good and the Heavenly Father. Our lives are all about, not our will, it's about the will of the Father. And so our faith, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, is we have that submission to the will, that's not mine, but the Father. And so the Trinity teaches that and reaffirms that Jesus... Is, is God in person. He is not another God. He is the same one. Even in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, uh, simply quote that, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and He richly blesses all who call upon Him. It's important that we understand that Jesus is not an afterthought. He's not a second plan. He is the same Lord who has been and is and always will to be. We need to recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, what's interesting is we can do a little comparison here because it verifies that what Jesus taught and the way he was presented is he is constantly trying to live and demonstrate this submissive plan so that many people who would not give him his worth would miss his identity. It's so important that Jesus begins to see or become the focus of our faith. Look in Luke chapter 3 verses 4 through 6. Luke chapter 3 verses 4 through 6. I want you to open those scriptures and then hold them. Because we're going to look into the prophet Isaiah and just see a very profound revelation a truth that you and I must understand on how people struggle with the identity of Jesus being God, it's because of these kind of concepts that are presented. God has kept something secret until you and I humbly get our heart in the right place, and then the light comes on. His purpose is that you and I might know what the scriptures clearly teach about Jesus Christ. If you look at uh, Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, and then open your Bible as well, you've got to have two hands, or at least two fingers, and look at Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll look at verses 3 through 5. Isaiah chapter 40, 3 through 5. I realize that this might seemingly be a long, tedious task, but it's important to know that the way Jesus communicated truth is he expected us, To look into the scriptures in the Old Testament, to verify, to validate, to affirm. And so you and I are a people that are associated with this will of God that has been written throughout the Scriptures, even in the Old Testament. In Luke, or I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, it says, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Now, if you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to look at the name Lord. Is it capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D? That does not mean he's master. It does not mean he's a man of authority. It doesn't mean like in, in when you go to uh, 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 England that there are leaders who are called lords. This is the real Lord, the one almighty, the one who has no name above him. Now, turn back to Luke chapter 3. What does it say? A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for capital L, little O, little R, little D. Jesus came to submit himself to a plan greater than himself. And the gospels are presented in a way that he looks like a little Lord, but the scriptures in the Old Testament say he's the big Lord. You you with me? You got to understand, Jesus is not coming to show off. He's coming to lay down his life. He's presented to humanity as a little Lord, but in reality, he's the big one. And so when he returns someday, he's not coming as the little Lord, he's coming as the big Lord. Has he changed his identity? No, but what he's changed is his purpose. We believe in one God who is big Lord, and he's in the person of Jesus Christ. It's important we understand that the scriptures are, are so important for us to put the pieces together so that we might affirm that that guy who runs around pretending or appearing he's a little Lord, he's really the big one and he's in human form. It doesn't stop there. As we look at uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, uh, make straight in the wilderness a highway for, what does it say? God. Let's go back to Luke and see what it says. Make straight paths for him. Once again, we see the emptying, the humiliation of the person of Christ... So when people saw the Jesus, he is appeared as if he is emptied of his glory. And yet the scriptures teach that he truly is the Lord. He is our God. We'll keep on reading verse 4. Every valley shall be filled, raised up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The rough ground shall become a level and the rugged places a plain. And verse 5, and the glory of the lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it for the mouth of the lord has spoken notice verse 5 in isaiah equates to verse 6 in luke and all mankind will see god's salvation god's salvation is in the person of jesus christ but you see all through Uh, The New Testament, the appearance as if Jesus is just a common, ordinary person. And yet Isaiah the prophet says he really is much higher, much greater, much more worthy of honor and praise. And because God's word reveals this to us, we know that he is indeed God. So when people argue and say, but the Bible, Jesus never said he's Lord. What you and I need to understand is when they borrow a quotation from the Old Testament that clearly says he is Lord, then what he's doing is he's making a statement by the very things he says that he, he really is. So you've got to understand when Jesus walked this earth, we see him in appearance made as a man. We see him walking in humbleness and, and he has emptied himself of the glory because that is what the cross is about. How do you know that you and I are on the right page? We're not running around trying to be big L's O-R-D. We're attempting to recognize the lordship of Christ, and we have come to serve him. We do not preach ourselves. We preach Christ and him crucified. Huge difference in the flow of things. We know we're on the right page because we're not trying to be about me, we're trying to be about him. That's the that's the identifying, qualifying marks of the true Christian faith is that we are trying to get out of the way. We are trying to be like John the Baptist, a voice in the wilderness. We must decrease and he must increase. This is important we understand the Trinity is what lays the backdrop, the foundation for what identifies us as we are a people who worship God in His majesty, and yet we walk in humility. Well, let's look at Isaiah a little bit more. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, because these are communicating a unique message. And so it's important when we try to understand the Trinity, Jesus is not trying to maintain His seat of glory. He's come to give it up. That's going to be important when we look at the role of the Holy Spirit because we can end up with some very interesting teachings about the movements or the Spirit of God if we lose sight of this humiliation in our walk with God. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. This is the theme of Isaiah. He's attempting to communicate this mystery as is it found in many of our Christmas stories, our plays, our songs. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That is God in a human form. That is God with us. That is God among us. We have come to worship him because he is God but as he walked the earth, he does not demonstrate his full majesty or glory. He gave glimpses here and there as to his true identity, but Isaiah is clearly communicating the reason the people misunderstood Jesus's true identity is because he says they do not know the scriptures. And that's what we're attempting to look at is what do the scriptures say about the identity of Jesus Christ? And, and as we, we look into this, I, I trust you'll just hold on, put your seatbelts on, we're going for a ride, because in order to prepare ourselves for the teaching of God's Holy Spirit among us, we need to lay the backdrop about the concept of humility. It must be established that you and I can begin to look at the glory of what God attempts to do because he has imparted his Holy Spirit in people like you and I. And so we need to recognize uh, as we, we look at these on the significance of that. Isaiah chapter 42. You'll begin to notice when we look at some of these scriptures as to why people were agitated over the Jesus guy. And if you read through the Gospels, you might not catch what it is that so infuriated these people, but you'll notice in these scriptures some of the names, the titles, the statements, the things he said, the things he taught, the things that the apostles taught, it should irritate them unless Jesus truly is Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 10 through 14. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You will go down to the sea and all that is in it. You islands and all who live in them. Let the desert and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements... uh, You know, Pastor, you're in the wrong chapter. 10 through 14, you have to bear with me. Okay, chapter 40, I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 10 through uh, 14. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains in the scales, and the hills in a balance? Who has instructed the mind of the Lord, or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, or who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge, or showed him the path of understanding? They are communicating in Isaiah that Jesus comes revealing and teaching the mind of his Father. And communicates that he is the shepherd who leads his people. So when Jesus says he is the good shepherd, especially in Psalm 23, it says the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord Jehovah is my shepherd. So when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, That will get you nailed to a cross. It's important to know that as we see Jesus and we read through the Gospels that we realize what he's saying is he is the prophetic fulfillment of the shepherd of the Old Testament. He is the Lord uh, Most High. He is the sovereign Lord. Uh, Turn with me to chapter uh, uh, 44, verses 6 through 8. Isaiah chapter 44, 6 through 8. You'll notice many more terms or titles that are clearly identified with Jesus, um, and you might want to underline them in your Bible. This is what the Lord says in verse 6, Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I'm the first and I'm the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Jesus really got himself in the trouble for mentioning that I will show you what a man is like who builds his house upon this rock. He, he hears my words and puts them into practice and be like a man who built his house upon the rock. We go on and on and on, thinking in terms of numerous scriptures, and what Jesus is saying is he is a somebody, but he does not do it in a way to boast. He simply presents truths that if you were to look back in the Old Testament scriptures, you would say, aha, he is the one he claims to be. And we'll consider the concept of what that truly means in the beginning, because they were not willing to accept him, so they had to kill him. He's considered blaspheming the truth. And so it irritated the people who despised the person of of Jesus Christ. Uh, Look at chapter 45. And verses 5 through 7. Isaiah 45, 5 through 7. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men will know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light, and I create darkness. I bring prosperity, and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Look down at verses 21 through 23. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn my mouth is uttered in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. Let me just do a little survey. How many knew that when it says in Philippians chapter 2, every knee will bow and tongue confess, Jesus is Lord knew, that's a quotation from the Old Testament. Not many. You and I need to recognize the way that truth verifies itself, the way it validates is God has already spoken it, And the Holy Spirit has enlightened people to know that this is the Jesus, this is the Christ. He is the one who is high and lifted up because he is the Word, and now he's become flesh. He is the one that was written, is now revealed. He is the Word who has come down among us and pitched his tent. He's tabernacled among us. You and I need to realize there's one God in three persons. Jesus never spoke On his own authority. He clearly communicated that what he says, the Father has spoken to him. And everything he expresses himself is a revelation of what God the Father has willed and purposed and planned. John chapter 14 now, let's go back there. John chapter 14, because we're going to have to jump ahead here and uh, consider how this plays into the oneness of the Holy Spirit, because we need to. Uh, Humbly consider this uh, so that we might have a foundation established. The Gospel of John, chapter uh, 14, verses 6 through 10. Now Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us." Doesn't that make sense, Jesus? You're saying things that go way over my head. Just, just show us the Father. Give us a little glimpse. Open the window just for a second, so we can we can see His Majesty. That'll be enough. Jesus answered in verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, notice there, they're not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Jesus makes it clear that the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the coming Messiah and the key evidence is not the strength in His miraculous powers, it's not in the proof of His divine displays of, of greatness, but it's rather His submission to the purpose and plan of his Father in heaven. That's extremely important to recognize that the Antichrist comes doing exactly the opposite. He is all about show, he's all about performance, he's all about power, he's all about look at me, look at me, he's all about his own agenda, his own voice, his own patterns, Jesus comes and he is in continuous submission to the authority of his heavenly Father. John chapter 7, verses 16 and 18. The Gospel of John chapter 7, verses 16 and 18. The beginning of our faith begins when we humbly come to a place, what I say, is in submission to Jesus Christ. The way I live is in submission to to Jesus Christ. The beginning of faith is to put trust in Jesus rather than trust in ourselves. I know that we can learn answers that seem to dodge that issue, but the bottom line is we're connected to Christ and Christ lives in us when we come to a place where it's all about him. It's Christ in me. That is My identity, that is my hope of victory, it is my faith. My faith is Christ in me. That is the reality of this relationship. John chapter 7, verse 16 and 18. Uh, I want to skip verse 17, though, because I want to drive home a point. Verse 16, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. Verse 18, because he who speaks on his own, that's the devil does so to gain honor for himself but he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth there's nothing false about him and that is the beginning of our faith as we've come to a place that it's no longer my words my my thoughts my opinion i am constantly asked by people how do you know the bible is true and i said well the bible says it's true well what do you think i said it doesn't matter what i think it's what god says well, what about this question? And they'll go off on another question. Well, what do you think? I said, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God says. And so when we come to faith, we've given up the right or the freedom to not necessarily not think, but we have given up the right to have our opinion continually be what is promoted and publicized. We are a people that Jesus is the final answer. He is the beginning and the end. He is the statement of my identity. He is the focus of my destiny. It is truth that guides us and moves us through life. I trust we've come to a place where we have humbly at least asked God to remove the opinion out of me because it is probably just my opinion rather than the truth that is presented in Jesus Christ, he is constantly submitting himself to the words of the Father. Now, here's where it gets complicated to explain. Look at John chapter 8, verse 42, and we're going to read several down here to uh, verse 55, because it introduces uh, not only the, the, the other father, who is the father of lies, but it presents and leads into the role of the Holy Spirit because this is where we need to to, uh, uh, roll our, our, our minds out and we need to embrace the heartbeat of God so that we know that we are not duped by the devil assuming it is the voice of God's Spirit. In verse 42 of John chapter 8, it says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, that is, he's speaking to those who do not like Jesus, he says to the religious leaders, if God were your father, you would love me. Now, how can he say that? It's because Jesus is God. For I came from God, and now, am I come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you because you're unable to hear what I say? You belong to the father of the devil and you want to carry out your father's... I mean, these are really harsh words. Jesus is in essence saying we are either connected to the father or we're connected to the voice of evil. It's important that when we come to faith, we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's not this huge gray area in between. It's not a long road between leaving... Uh, our our past and our connection with 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 the devil and moving into the future many of us we struggle with the idea you mean the devil had that much say over my life well that's what the bible says the bible says we are free in christ jesus it's the truth that sets us free so when that truth becomes personal and precious we are free in christ and truly indeed but what's going to happen is there's going to be a similarity expression written all over us we are a people that are so fascinated with Jesus that he is our new identity our new focus our new hope it goes on to say you belong to the father that uh the devil and you want to carry out your father's desire he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him when he lies notice here he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus says it's a reality. He talks the way he talks because of who he is, the way he speaks, the way he thinks, the way he operates. It's simply who he is. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, we end up with a new language. We end up with a a new expression of our lives because of who we have become. Our identity is in a new king who rules and reigns over this castle of our heart. When we come to faith, it's more than just a head game. It's more than we simply just agree to a certain set of things. We are now a new creation in Christ Jesus because that truth is now what works within our lives. It goes on to say in verse uh, 45, Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? He, notice here, he who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not be here is that you do not belong to God. He's speaking to the religious leaders. He said, your hearing is connected to your heart. And you and I, as we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we will hear what the Spirit says to us. We will know what God is communicating to us but now we need to look at that a little bit closer because now he has he sort of moved the dust aside he said the bottom line is this is until we have identified with jesus and broken or renounced any affiliation with our past opinions or the demonic teachings we're going to have a problem with the hearing and as long as there's a problem with the hearing We may not know the difference between a spirit that's holy and a spirit that is unholy. And many of us have have been exposed to spirits that are unholy. We've been exposed to spirits that are genuinely true. It's important to understand a person must be connected to Jesus to hear. The truth of Jesus otherwise we're going to enjoy a couple lies and we're going to delight in a couple lies and we're going to repeat a couple lies and we might even prophesy a couple lies it's important to know that our relationship with God belonging to him has a great emphasis on what you hear okay verse 48 the Jews answered him notice this aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and you're demon-possessed. Well, of course they're going to conclude that. If you're on the wrong side of the kingdoms, you're going to assume that Jesus, who is on the other side, he must be the bad guy because we are the good guys. In other words, they were listening to a spirit of deception. There was a spirit of influence. That's extremely important that you and I understand when God speaks, he speaks to his people. When God communicates truth, he speaks truth to his people. And if our people or we ourselves are not connected to God, you and I are going to like the wrong spirit. We're going to desire the wrong spirit. We're going to hear the wrong spirit. And we will not understand the difference between a spirit that is evil and a spirit that is true because of the beauty of the Trinity. They're all on the same page. When you and I are on the same page as Jesus, we hear the truth on the same page. And if someone's not on the same page, they're not going to hear it the same way you and I hear it. Now, I realize that might be a little confusing, but let me go on. We've got to get down to the teaching of the Holy Spirit here. Um, Jesus says in 49, I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father. Notice again, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking, once again, glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed in verse 52, now we know you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that anyone who keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He better be, otherwise he's demon-possessed. He died, so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, notice here, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. Would he have been right to say, of course I've been around longer than Abraham. Yes, that is true. But he is committed to the written word that his role, his identity, is I'm not here to promote myself. The Father will take care of that on his own. His purpose is to glorify the Father. And it's important to know that the way the Spirit of God manifests himself, the way that Christ lives in us, is we all people, That the glory belongs to someone else and our true clarification or verification to the world around us is people should recognize you guys walk in humbleness you have a devotion to someone higher than you though you and I have the King of Kings living in our hearts we live as if we're servants we go through life as if we don't seem to be the champions while others seem to reign and rule and others seem to have all kinds of success and popularity and people flock to hear them and they want to see them, you and I understand. We are not here to glorify ourselves. That's the evidence is that Jesus himself clearly set down that glory. He has every moment in the world to show what a real punch can look like from a savior. He's saving that. There'll be a day when he comes to demonstrate his strength. There's a day when he comes to allow himself to be glorified and lifted up. But for now, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not know him, I would be a liar like uh, you. Well, let's drop down now to verse 42. Or no, we're going to have to jump ahead here. Chapter 16 of John, in verses 13 through 15. Now we get to a little bit more specific about the role and the work of the Holy Spirit. I I trust that we we have recognized Jesus came to make the Father look good. Though he is God, he comes to make the Father look good. Complete, entire submission to the will of the Father. He submits himself to the plan of the Father, which is the written Word of God. Everything He said was, or did was in order to fulfill the Scriptures. Everything was written, 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 written. He simply expressed what is written. He illuminated what is written. He highlighted what is written. He does not come speaking on His own. He simply gives what is written. John chapter 16, 13 through 15. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truths. Notice, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only, what he hears. The Holy Spirit is in complete submission to making Jesus look good and to making the Father be glorified. It's very important to understand. It's the same pattern. It's the same consistency. It's the same truth. It's the same identity. And the way that we look at this, because we've run out of time, we'll have to go uh, into uh, next week, is to recognize that the voice of the Holy Spirit, we have a tendency where we get confused when we think in terms of the power of the Holy Spirit because now all the rules change and the real power or the real punch are spirit-filled people and those that don't seem to have a punch, they're just preachers that are common and ordinary. That's not true. The power is in lives who come to Jesus Christ. And that's what you and I need to recognize as the Spirit of God comes. He doesn't come with his own identity. He is God in three persons. He is the same Spirit of God as he is the same Spirit of Christ. He's the same Spirit that filled the temple in the Old Testament as the same one that dwells in your body even today as temples of the living God. We have a validation going on, a confirmation, a consistency of truth is when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bring us to a place where you and I can't really fake it anymore because he's going to do an inner work in us and he's going to point us to Jesus. But the glory keeps going to Jesus. It keeps being magnifying Jesus. If you'll look in, uh, in John uh, 16... We look at verse uh, 13, we read. Now 14, he, meaning the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me, notice, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. He's not coming with a new language. He's not coming with a new task. He's not coming with a new agenda. He's simply taking everything Jesus said and putting it in your heart and mind so that you and I are enabled to reflect Jesus Christ. His purpose is to transform us from the inside out so when people see us, they see a demonstration of God's miracle in a human person. We, in and of ourselves, are not going to really make Jesus look good in this world. As a matter of fact, we're going to make Jesus look foolish. But because of his spirit, he's enabled us to be light to the world, salt to the earth, we are the living, walking Christ in this world. It happens through the gift of God's Spirit. So as we, we attempt to break this down and look at it, we need to realize that what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish in our lives and how he expresses himself is based upon the foundation of that we are not looking to see if we can grab some kind of power out there. We are focusing on a person because we're in a relationship of submission and loyalty. It's about the lordship and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you and I might be looking for a power that really is not the holy one. It's not the pure one. It's not the submissive one. It might be more about us than it is about him this is the sacredness of uh, the trinity let's pray father we realize as we we search through the scriptures that there are some things that are very difficult to understand and yet some things are so simple we pray that we might understand the beauty of a humble heart the beauty of us when we've come to that place of surrender to give up the need to be seen to give up the need to prove a point, to give up the need to be somebody, and we can rest knowing that, Jesus, you're everything. God, give us the courage to walk in a way that we recognize that what you uh, have promised in your word is able to come to light and life in us. Yet we pray, God, as we walk and follow you, that the glory would be to you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll uh, work on this one a little bit more. It's going to take another couple, 10 years, I guess.